This is episode number 145 of the Rising Man podcast with Taylor Houchins and James Panther. If you claim to be a man and play the part, I will call you brother. What's up, Rising Man family? Thank you for joining me today here on the Rising Man podcast. My name is Jedi Azuma. I'm the host and creator here, as well as the founder of the Rising Man Movement, and I just want to welcome you. If it's your first time jumping in here with us, then welcome to our community. If you're jumping back in for the third, fourth, or 300th time, (laughs) then welcome back. Glad to have you here as well. Oh man, I am just feeling really re-energized. Just got back onto the map after a week out in Death Valley with our fall Compass crew. And wow, just an incredibly transformative time. In this time where so many of us are dying for connection with humans, humans, just other humans, but especially dying for those connections with other men, belly to belly in the flesh. It's more important now than ever to keep those connections growing. I've been hearing, I've been listening to you guys, your messages telling me that, yeah, Jetty, it's great to drop into a virtual space, but I want to get together belly to belly. I hear you guys. I know. And I made that decision that we're not going to let COVID hold us back anymore. We can't. We can't afford to spend any more time not being in relationship with our brothers in close proximity because there's a lot of work we can do together in the virtual space. And there's only certain work that we can do together once we're belly to belly, face to face, eye to eye. So stay tuned for some awesome opportunities that are coming up in 2021, including the relaunch of our three-day wilderness skills and ceremonial elemental journey called Elements. I'll have a lot more to say about that in the coming months. That's going to be coming up and my bro Sean Barry is going to help us relaunch that. Basically giving you guys an opportunity to sharpen and hone your wilderness skills while connecting in a ceremonial way with the sacred four elements of nature. It's an amazing program. I think everybody should take a crack at it because you're going to learn some valuable skills as well as some awesome elemental ceremonial connections and just spending time around a fire with men. It's going to be really dope. And also our first ever Rising Man weekend, which is going to be coming up in May of 2021. So those things are on the map, including our next Spring Compass crew. We're getting our last few seats filled up now. Believe it or not, there's already four guys enrolled. So we've only got six seats left. So if you're hungry for those belly to belly in-person connections, then Go to risingman.org and be on the lookout for these opportunities. If you're just looking to get in contact with guys, you've been listening to the podcast for a while, but haven't yet taken that full leap into one of our virtual spaces, then do it. Take a leap. Jump into the fire circles. Jump into our next round of Inferno, where you can be on a team with me and Phil Gomez for the next 12 weeks, ratcheting up that level of accountability and really following through on your purpose and developing your leadership. Whatever that edge is, don't wait until the springtime to get going. The time is now. I don't care what they say about fall and winter. It's not a time to slow down. Let's do it. Okay, so my guests for today, I got a two-pack for you. Taylor Houchins and James Panther. James Panther is a recording and performing artist musician who records under the name Panther, P-A-N-T-H-Y-R. He is also a life coach, astrologer, professional intuitive, and trauma integration specialist focused on guiding and empowering people back into self-trust, embodiment, authentic essence, and their intuitive inner authority. Taylor Houchins is a licensed clinical mental health counselor and men's coach. Taylor works one-on-one with clients who are ready to dive deep into their shadow work. He assists men in exploring their early childhood experiences in order to lift limiting core beliefs and blocks allowing them to step into their full expression and potential. Taylor is also the co-creator of The Brother Hangout, a free monthly virtual gathering designed to create introductory experiences for men who are curious to learn what men's work and brotherhood is all about. In this episode, Taylor and James helped me dissect the dynamics between straight men and gay men in the men's work arena. First, Taylor and James told the story of how they met, the processing exercise that led to James telling Taylor he was attracted to him, and how that experience was healing for both of them. We then dove into the uncomfortable parts of this conversation. Why some straight men are uncomfortable around gay men. Why some gay men feel isolated and alone in circles with straight men. And how we can bridge the gaps by just expressing how we really feel. 
being honest. I shared my experiences of being pursued and made uncomfortable by the advances of gay men and how that had a huge impact on how I showed up in relationship with other gay men in the past, I don't know, maybe like the past 10 years of my life. And lastly, we made every effort to expose all of the uncomfortable, unspoken elements of this topic so that all men, straight, gay, and otherwise identified can move past our discomforts and unite as brothers. This and so much more, but without further ado, Taylor Houchins and James Panther. All right, rising men family, I've got I've got a treat today. I got two for the price of one men joining me on here. My bro Taylor Houchins coming in from Asheville, North Carolina, newly planted, and my bro James Panther who's currently somewhere up in Maine, going off the grid. <laughs> How you guys doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having us on. Doing great. Thank you guys for being here. You know, full transparency, Taylor approached me with the idea of the topic we're going to talk about today, specifically related to an experience that these two men had that I know is a really important conversation that the majority of the men's work community isn't having. And I want to let you guys take it away and tell the story from both your perspectives, and then we can dive a little bit into the juiciness. So why don't one of you guys just start off and explain a little bit about what went down and why we're here talking about it today. Cool. James, maybe I'll uh, set the stage and then you can talk about when when it gets to you and your experience. How about that? So James and I were at the Sacred Sons facilitator training maybe about six or seven months ago in Southern California. And we were just having a good old time. (laughs) So we're sitting in circle And we're going around just sharing our experience. And it gets to me, I share that I'm feeling some feelings of unworthiness and I'm having a really hard time really being there and seeing myself as equal to everyone else. I'm really wanting the facilitators to to notice me and everyone else has gone around and they've shared their experience and they're pretty much positive experiences. And I'm over here just like kind of fretting. So I I share my truth. I'm just like, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm I'm worthy enough to be here. I just want you guys to to think I'm important. And then Jason McKenzie and Michael Gay, they invite me up to the middle of the floor to have a, what they call ritual connection and carpet work essentially. And uh, they invite me to the middle of the floor and all the guys surround me. And I won't go into too much detail, but they allow me to feel into my unworthiness and locate where it is in my body. And I have this whole emotional gestalt experience that they facilitate me through and it's very healing. So I sit back down and then some more men share and then it comes to James. And yeah, if James, you want to maybe talk about what happened for you? Yeah. So we're sitting there. It's probably like, I don't know, eight o'clock, eight thirty in the morning. I'm not a morning person. Taylor's just had his whole catharsis. I'm this like highly empathic person where we're just doing like our morning check-ins, you know, like it, I don't think anyone expected or even Taylor expected him to go through like a whole gestalt process, but you got Jason McKenzie, like, Hey, let me ask you a question. And then you got Michael Gay being like, let's fucking do this, you know, like, let's actually, you know, go into what needs to move for you. And I remember when you were just talking about that, I remember just sitting across from you being so activated by what you were going through and feeling so such a connection to that unworthiness thing actually as well. And I think it might've brought up some like mom wound stuff, but I, I was just in it, you know, at that point. And then it gets over to me and I believe that in my check-in, I said something to the effect of, I think I was having a hard time being present And I had, I think it was day, it was probably just the second day of facilitator training, I think. So we hadn't really been there that long. It's about, I don't know, 30, 40 of us. How many were, Mm -hmm. do you remember? 30. 30. So, you know, I'm sitting there and I guess it was really just my own insecurity that came up. And it was specifically around, you know, I'm sitting there, it's eight o'clock in the morning. I love sacred sons. I love the openness. I love the emotional connectedness. I love men supporting men emotionally. And I'm sitting there like, all right, I'm the only gay guy here. 
I'm having a hard time being present. And I don't even know what was bothering me because so much shifted after that. I just remember saying I was having a hard time being present or I was having some PTSD of like getting bullied or something. And, you know, because the stage had already been set for such deep work and deep emotional presence work, I think the same too, you know, Jason and Michael called me into the center and what ensued was a very long, very deep process. And it was, (laughs) it was was like, I mean, Taylor and I were talking about this the other day. Like it was a long, it was a long process. It was like a soul retrieval. I work a lot with plant medicine. I do a lot of, you know, shamanic work. I do trauma integration work, not gestalt, but a different kind, you know, just in my own work and in my own life. And I must have reverted to some kind of an infantile place. It was one of those moments where everyone's hands were on me kind of putting pressure. And it was almost like a rebirth experience. And it moves to everyone cradling me, like 30 dudes <laughs> cradling me like a baby. And I'm like, I'm, I've gone into some kind of trauma and I'm like sobbing. And so, you know, if anyone's ever done soul retrieval work or shamanic work or trauma integration work, whether it's gestalt or whether it's anything you, and you're, you're basically bringing a suppressed part of the psyche back And that part has been in distress that has not been resolved, right? So trauma is distress without resolution. So I'm barely registering like what's happening. I'm just kind of going through it. It's like the birth canal, you know, just not not a logical, rational, you know, kind of normal grip on the situation mentally, like, you know, one would normally have in that kind of a heightened state. And I'm just like trying, and they're like, take, try to just take it in, right? Take it in. And then I think they asked me what else I needed. And I think what, what came out of me was like, I need to be able to, you know, it's, it feels intense. It feels challenging being around, like I'm supposed to show up totally authentically. And for whatever reason, it was like, I need to be able to be authentically expressed as a gay man in my desire and my attraction, not expecting sex from the men there or anything like that, or expecting mutual attraction or anything like that. It was like just being able to say, it was like some kind of a missing experience of being able to just say like, Hey, I think you're really attractive, just a simple thing. And I realized I had this huge block around just being able to say that. And that that's like this, you know, huge social taboo, like, Oh, you might, you know, make a straight guy uncomfortable, you know, anything to be, you know, and then you go back to like, you know, the way that a lot of gay men get bullied or like gay boys get bullied in school. If you were to say, if you know, in a homophobic context for a gay man to say that, for a gay boy to say that to other boys, you know, growing up, you could get your ass kicked, you could get, you know, murdered, you know, like it's, it's really intense. Right. So I need to just, you know, if I, if I'm going to get free, you know, and I'm like really dedicated to like, liberating myself and like liberating others and, you know, empowering myself, taking power back, helping others take their power back. I was like, well, I just want to be able to say like, Hey, I think you're really attractive. And I think I couldn't even like fully verbalize a sentence. And Jason kind of like almost spoke for me. I remember it was in a really beautiful way. I think it was Jason. He was like, you want to be like fully expressed authentically as a sexual being in this space. And like, everyone's like, yeah, you get to be a fully expressed sexual being. (laughs) I'm just like, so I've gone from like infantile trauma, somehow like restoring itself, a bunch of straight guys cradling me like a baby. And now I'm like standing there, like, you know, with tears, you know, like drying on my face, like, and all these straight guys are like, yeah, you get to be like a, a, a fully expressed sexual being, bro. And I'm just like, what acid did someone put in my coffee this morning? Like, what is going on? And so they were like, yeah, you know, pick a guy that you think is attractive and ask him to come give you a hug. And that was like the, the threshold that I had to kind of pass through in that moment. So I was like, well, I didn't come to fuck around. So then I was like, all right, Taylor. I you knew know, you were going to pick like, me too. Probably like three guys. I was just like, Man. I knew it. We must have had some kind of psychic, you know, connection or something. But yeah, so I, I picked Taylor and Taylor like comes up and I was just like, I'm terrified, but like, I think you're really attractive. And we had this, you know, most awkward <laughs> moment that you could possibly, you know, imagine, you know, for me, it's just like, 
that whole situation is like I just said, all the stories about what could go wrong in that moment, but I just like fucking said it. And Taylor was like, I think you, you were like, yeah, we can totally hug. And you were like, he said something like, I, I, do you remember? I think you were like, I feel so much closer to you now <laughs> or something like that. It was just like, so Before the, hug, the whole thing was so like, uh, you know, I walked up and then you gave your expression. We just, there's 20, 25 men around us and it's me and you standing face to face in the middle of the circle and and you're shaking and you're nervous as hell and then you just look at me and you're like I'm attracted to you and I just look back at you and I say thank you that feels really good to hear I'm flattered and you were just flabbergasted I think you were you were waiting for some kind of like rejection almost like couldn't believe that I was able to actually receive what you expressed and then I think you noticed that it it was actually it actually landed I, I allowed it to land and and really receive your expression as opposed to deflect or change the topic or something like that and and so once you realize that it landed and I truly received it your whole demeanor just changed and the shaking kind of stopped and you found your center. Uh, you became just more embodied. Like it looked like something like came online and there was just a more fuller expression of your being. And then we decided to hug and we came in and we, and we hugged and then everyone was just like clapping. Yeah. And then we, we come out of the hug and, and uh, we just maintain eye contact. I think Jason said, you guys, you guys okay to just maintain eye contact here for a second? And so we just kind of stared at each other to really like take in the moment. And then we moved out of it. Yeah. Well, let, let me jump in there for a second because it's, it's such a powerful story. I, I just want to commend both of you guys for number one, sharing that story here with us, but also being willing and courageous enough to step through that. Because in hearing that story at different intervals, I could see my own historical roadblocks of like the ego checkpoints that say, uh-uh, don't do that. Uh-uh, that's not safe. Uh-uh, that's uncomfortable. Imagining it on both sides for each of you and probably everyone else involved too. And to see you guys keep stepping through that. I've had Michael Gay on here and we've talked about gestalt work and shadow work before. So anyone who's listened to that episode has a context of what kind of work you guys were doing here. And anybody who's attended the convergences and, and anything else with Sacred Sons, you guys know the kind of space those guys hold. So I just really want to start with honoring that that's possible because of what you said before, James, there's so many gay men and gay boys out there who are not free to express themselves that way. They're not They're Like you said, there's, there's so many consequences and repercussions for being a fully expressed gay man in this world still, still. And right now, obviously this conversation covers many other people, but for the purposes of what we're talking about here, just speaking about gay men and gay boys, being able to, or, or I, I don't even know. I mean, tell me what's, what's the right terminology to use here. This is one of my edges, right? I want to speak about this and I don't want to offend anybody by my own ignorance. What's, what's the best way to speak about this and, and to reference folks? Well, you know, gay men, gay boys, like is, is kind of the demographic that, you know, I've either been or that I am. So that's the experience that I can speak to. I mean, you could, I could say queer men or queer boys, which is sort of a little broader, which would be like, you know, maybe if you're non-binary or intersexed or bisexual and, you know, queer just kind of is like, well, I'm not telling you if I'm LGBT or I just don't ascribe to that. I mean, there's like so many, like we could get really academic and theoretical about it. That's not my I don't have a huge need to be super specific about it, but I, I think that a lot of queer identified people could perhaps relate to what I'm saying based on like what it's like to interact with straight men and sort of like the preconceived notions that we have and like the fears that we have going in because of, you know, historical experiences, which is why, let me just say Sacred Sons is so excellent because not only are they so it's like a lot of straight men who are secure in themselves who can hold that space. And it's just like Taylor said, I was flabbergasted. You know, it's like, I've been flabbergasted by <laughs> sacred sons many times, which is what kind of keeps me coming back. And I just, I want other gay men, gay boys, queer men, queer boys, you know, just in, in that spectrum in the LGBTQ spectrum, I guess it would be GBTQ because this is men's work, but. Right. 
Well, I told you guys before we started recording that I want to talk about the things that nobody's talking about. And so uh, now that we have a little context for your story, I want to bring in some of my experience here because I identify as straight, always have. I've shared openly in some men's circles that when I was a boy, I had some experiences with other boys when I was discovering my sexuality at a young age. But after maybe nine or 10, I never had any interest in that. So I've always identified as straight. And one of the experiences that comes up when I think about my own interaction and engagement with other gay or queer men is at Burning Man, a good friend of mine who is a big part of our larger community. He would kiss guys. He would kiss women. You know, from what I understand, he was straight, but he didn't have any problem going up and kissing guys. And I remember there was one day where we were just all hanging around and he asked me, he said he wanted to kiss me. And I was like, I- I'm sorry, dude, I just don't, I don't want to kiss you. I'm not attracted to you in that way. I don't want to do that. And he called me out on it. He's like, come on, dude, what's wrong with you? It's just, a ki-. and he, he made me feel really uncomfortable because I wouldn't do that. And so it makes me think of the other encounter because I don't have I don't have any resistance or problem hanging out around gay guys. Sexuality is actually something that doesn't really cross my mind. It's only when because I've also lived in New York before. And I remember when I was in New York and I was in my mid to early 20s, there were a lot of older gay men who would express their affections to me and then made me feel really uncomfortable because it felt like this kind of seedy, I'm trying to seduce you, but trying to be your friend, pretending I'm not, I'm just kind of this nice older guy that made me feel really uncomfortable. And so inherently, I don't have any issues with gay men, but to me, that's like a reverse part of the conversation around consent that's really important and often under acknowledged. I think gives a lot of it contributes to a lot of the discomfort that straight men have in these situations. I see you like nodding all over the place, James. So just tell me. Dude, totally. I'm nodding so hard because I actually relate to your experience massively. You know, I know what it feels like to be pressured. I know what it feels like to feel that from older gay men. I've sat in circles with a lot of older gay men, like heart circles in the radical fairy community, actually. And I've learned a lot about what their experience was like. And this is like a pre-consent time. You know, consent is really like a millennial conversation for all intensive purposes. I feel like it it hasn't gotten as loud, you know, in our culture until our generation. And so that said, not that that excuses like predatory behavior. And like, I've had so many experiences with older gay men like that, especially when I was in my 20s. I'm 35 now, but particularly in my mid to late 20s, early mid, the whole time. I mean, yeah, I know what it feels like to have someone like, oh, I want to be your friend, but you can feel the ulterior motives. And I felt really unsafe around older gay men for a long time and really guarded. And I would be at like queer gatherings where like it was like this open hearted thing, but I would feel uncomfortable. But then as I got older and I took more of my power back and I got really good at boundaries, that started to fade. But I think, yeah, consent is is like mandatory. And I think that's why I had a lot of fear in expressing that I'm like, I just want to be able to say, I think you're attractive. Like it was more just like freeing my own voice. Like for whatever reason, like I had, I don't know why I, I can't even fully tell you now. Like, I think it's just to be fully expressed and fully in my truth. It's like the lover archetype, you know, and like the, and like the King warrior magician lover, it's like the full expression of like, this is just what's important to me. This is what I value. I think you're beautiful. Or like, I think you're very attractive. I would never, but like for me personally, brotherhood is also such an important piece. I just, I think it was more like feeling like if I don't say that I'm being inauthentic, like for Taylor and I to become friends without me saying just like, by the way, you're a total babe, you know, like would be inauthentic for me. But like, I don't in my friendship with Taylor, like try to make passes. Although, <laughs> I mean, Taylor, it, was a, it was a funny thing, just like texting before this thing, but I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll like make jokes and stuff like that. Or, say it, say it, James. Say okay, it. So Taylor, so I was like, cause we didn't know how we were going to do this call today. Right. So I was like, okay. So, and Taylor was like, oh, I think it's just going to be like a phone thing. And I was like, so I texted Taylor like an hour and a half ago. And I was like, so like, we're going to have a three-way call. Right. And, and he, <laughs> you know, and so he texted me back. He was like, he was like, yeah, three-way at six with a double <laughs> emoji, which like, <laughs> I was like, and then I was like, don't threaten me with a good time. And I sent the angel emoji, you know, like we, you know. So I just want to say, it feels so good to be able to joke with you around that. And I can make a, a gay joke and yeah. like, there's that openness there. Like we have that, that compatibility. 
Yeah, we have that friend compatibility and that like established trust. I would say that's an important thing because because for a, a random straight guy to just do that to like a, a gay guy randomly, just like hey hey hey, like that would <laughs> that would feel like maybe a little I don't know tokenizing or objectifying or just kind of like it's like don't play with me, you know, like just kind of thing or I don't know I don't know like it's like maybe a respect issue for something. And again, everyone's different. I can't speak for all gay men or all queer men. I just know that I have the desire to feel an openness of expression to be able to say like, hey, I think you're attractive. So then we can just be friends and that's like out of the way and that like, I'm not like bothered. And I mean, it's like anything else I think that we suppress and deny it just kind of builds all this power and, and it, shit gets weird when we can't just say the truth, you know? And, so, and I think that the fact of the matter is when you have men who are attracted to women and men who are attracted to men in the same space, trying to be brothers, like there's going to be awkward moments. And I think there's going to be maybe like a potential shutdownness. I don't know. Like, I'm also a very like sexually open and very liberated, you know, person. I do tantric work as well with men and have for over 10 years. So like, I'm like very open to just people in general. That said, I think having some, you know, like every gay guy, like, I don't know, some gay guys might look at straight guys and think, I should just be silent. But that's the thing that I question. I'm like, well, but if you are attracted, like there's some value, I think, in being able to express attraction and desire openly and just to allow that truth to be spoken. Well, there's a bigger conversation that I'm starting to hear emerge right now. I mean, right now we're talking about gay and straight men, but really I think it's a bigger conversation about intentionality and authenticity and being able to share genuinely where we're coming from. I mean, there's so many unspoken feelings and beliefs that we have that affect the way that we interact with each other. And in zooming in on this dynamic, there's so many beliefs and stories that get wrapped up in this narrative where really when you simplify it, this is one human being that's expressing attraction and affection for another human being and another human being being able to receive that without any expectations of what that's going to lead to. It's all the stuff that's layered on top of that, right? The fact that it's one man expressing his attraction and affection to another man. There's a whole bunch of stuff twisted and tied into that, right? And then the fact that we're doing this in a men's space, that, that, that you were the only gay man in this particular circle at that time, right? All of these definers that create more separation between us than actual connection. And that, I think that's why I'm so inspired by the experience you guys had, because you broke right through that. You pierced right through all of the, all of the stories and blockades that normally prevent guys interacting with each other on either side of this, on either side of the spectrum, because to me, it's really inconsequential. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's something that, why would this become an issue between us? Unless it has something to do with what we were talking about before with consent and a level of comfort, then all we're talking about is one person who's attracted to another and being able to express that. And yet there's so much tied to it. So I know it's a real thing. And I want to check in with you, Taylor, because you being the man who is receiving this, I don't know what your experience has been like, or if, the, if this is the first time another man told you he was attracted to you or not. But you mentioned that this idea of unconscious homophobia and how there's a reason why a lot of straight guys are avoiding gay men. And I thought you could share more about your experience and what you've learned about this piece. Sure. I really related to Jetty, what you were talking about earlier with your personal experience about that, how that guy made you uncomfortable. I've had three situations that have really stood out in my teen and early adulthood experience with gay men. One was a violation of physical boundaries and two was just, just being, there were some pretty hard passes without my consent, which left me feeling pretty uncomfortable and violated. And James, if you would have got me a year ago, I don't know if I would have been able to receive your expression, but I've been doing my work and through doing my work, I'm really coming to know what my boundaries are and being comfortable in my no and just being comfortable with like who I am. And the further and the deeper that I know who I am, the more solid I feel inside myself and the, and the more capacity there is to be able to receive your expression and the less threat I feel around that because I can say, James, you know, that's flattering. I, I, I really appreciate that you're attracted to me. That feels really good to hear. And 
I don't necessarily feel, I don't, I can't reciprocate. You know, I don't notice that in me, but that doesn't mean that I don't love you and I don't care about you. You know, I, I would still like to further this friendship. You know, I appreciate that expression. You know, I, I can feel confident in saying that now through doing my work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's also a lot of straight guys who aren't confident in themselves or who they are. And I know I've worked with a lot of straight guys who, once you break down a few layers, admit that they're not sure where they sit in terms of their sexuality. Guys who are very outwardly, would outwardly seem super heterosexual internally are going through some major questions that they never gave themselves permission to explore or navigate. And so I think there's also, I mean, there's so many beliefs, right? That we've, I've heard guys share in circles. Uh, I used to be afraid that if I hung out with a gay man, it was going to turn me gay. Right? I mean, you hear people actually say this, that I don't want to go gay, so I'm not going to hang around that guy. You know, and I think this is the unconscious homophobia that you're talking about is like, it's nonsensical. And what are they saying underneath that? It's like, I don't want to go gay. What are they really saying underneath that? Because if their natural inclination is homosexuality, then it's not that they don't want to go gay. It's that they don't want to receive all the the judgment. Yeah. Judge themselves. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, That's a lot of what it is too. Yeah. Am I going to get told I'm, you know, weak, pussy, all that stuff that, that we get programmed into believing. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed for myself too, that there's, cause I've had a couple of gay men express their attraction to me similar to the way you did James, where it was like, Hey, I just want to tell you that I think you're a good looking dude and I can receive that, but also feeling a, a sense of guilt, the people pleaser in me that can't reciprocate by saying, Oh man, yeah, you're totally hot too. There's like a part of me that wants to say that it's like the one way attraction. Like if I told a really attractive woman, I said, wow, you're just beautiful. And she was just like, Thanks. And just kept on moving. I'd feel like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, I just feel like, God, I'm, I'm so appreciative of this conversation because I feel like we all need to be able to hear no. Like we're all as sovereign beings. We all need to be able to, to say no. We all need to be able to hear no. And that we also need to differentiate between like the expression without attachment of attraction, which is what I was doing. I just wanted to feel like my voice was free. Like I could be seen in the room. It's just like, I think you guys are hot and I'm a little distracted, you know, like, and that's it. I'm not, I wasn't like making passes in anybody, you know, but I think that there's, there's a lot of also, I think the piece about some straight men don't know where they stand or they think they're straight, but they might not be. And I think some gay men then become opportunistic with that. And they're like, oh, well, like, I'm going to be the one, you know, (laughs) I'm going to be the one to show him how not straight he is. And like, I should just, you know, like, I feel a vibe from him. So I'm just going to kind of cop a feeler. I I don't know. I would never, I would never personally do that because I know what it's like to be violated. And I would never want anyone else to feel that way because of me. So there's that piece. But then what's sad to me is that because some gay men have shitty boundaries, then some straight men would be like, man, I can't hang out with any gay men because that gay guy copped to feel or that gay guy made a pass or like you, cause I'm hearing you both say that, well, definitely Taylor, possibly Jetty. I don't, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like, have you both had experiences where there was like on an unwanted advance or like a consent violation from another, from a gay man? Definitely. I have one really clear memory I hadn't thought about in a long time, but I was back in college and graduate school and there were a couple of our friends and our friends crew who were queer, bisexual, you know? And so we all said, Hey, let's go to the club. And they're like, let's go to the gay club. They've got some great music there. I was like, sure. Awesome. So I, I maybe it was just by showing up there and I had long hair. I, I don't know what it was. Maybe I put off a vibe or something, but I remember I was just walking in and, and some dude just walked up to me and just grabbed a handful of my junk. Like straight up, just like no words exchanged, just grabbed me and then looked at me. And I was like, I was so caught off guard. I'm like, what the hell is that? No one ever had done something like that to me. So all in one moment, I'm like, wow, I feel really uncomfortable. I don't want to be here. I feel violated. Wow. This is what it must feel like for other people who have advances like this, thinking about all the women who have shared stories with me. So it was a humbling moment where I was like, wow, okay. I'd never done something like that knowingly to anybody, but just to be on the flip side of receiving that. Right. And not that you deserved that experience because other men have copped to feel on women. You know, like, I think there's this weird, like, I don't want to 
suggest at all that, you know, every straight man should know what it feels like to be groped by another man. And then you will, you know, like, but there are some radical queers who really feel that way and who really like have all this vitriol and hatred and anger. And like, that's not me personally. I understand what it feels like to be angry. I was very angry about a lot of things. I was also sexually assaulted when I was 19. So like, I feel, you know, like I've worked a lot of different stuff out in my life, but like, to me, like I have also gone into gay clubs and been groped. I've also been groped by women at, in different places. So like consent and consent violations, it's like this universal thing. And I guess, you know, bringing it full circle to like, why are we having this conversation? I mean, Taylor, I I so appreciate like your vulnerability with this. And I I appreciate your honesty, Jetty, because like, I just really want to create brotherhood with gay men and straight men that's like high vibe that's honest that's authentic that's heart-based and that's mutually respectful and where we can just be fully expressed in our truths and we can fully be expressed in who we are and just really fully see and respect each other and i think i don't know i I guess i kind of have a question for taylor too like what do you think it is that changed in you that like you said like a year ago it would have been hard for you to hear you know that I was attracted to you back in February and we're at October now. So like what I feel like for, you know, for straight guys listening who might want to know, like, what can I do to be able to just receive, you know, like hearing that a gay guy is attracted to me and feel secure in myself and just be able to, you know, handle that. Well, like, would you, do you have any advice for them or like what, what changed for you? Yeah, I'd say that I'm comfortable knowing my orientation. So, you know, I've experimented with men when I was younger and I was like, okay, you know, not, not for me, you know? And so there's a solid, there's a solidarity around that. It's like, okay, I'm solid in who I am and what I like. I know that. So the fear of the unknown is not present in me. And also I worked through a lot of the trauma I experienced where I was sexually violated when I was a teenager by another man. And what I wish I would have said during that time was stop or no, I'm not okay with this. Right. But instead of the fight response, I froze and I went into shock and it continued to happen. And then after some time, I finally was able to get away and go hide in a room. And then that, that stayed in me. And so in therapy, my therapist was really allowing me to actually tap back into that stuck energy and to then express it and to release it. And I finally got to say it the way I wanted to say it. And empowerment came online. And, and so now as I'm you know, in the world and I'm interacting with gay men, I know where my boundaries are with that. And I can sense like if it's predatory behavior or if it's more authentic expression. So James, yours was heartfelt, authentic expression. That wasn't the predatorial, let me take. I've experienced a lot of that in my life and I can sense if it's coming from that area and that's not okay. But why does that happen? Why does that predatorial non-consensual behavior happen from gay men? And to me, it's, it's just what you were saying. There isn't this open, accepted space for their full expression for it to be welcomed and it to be okay. And so if it gets repressed, then like it's gonna come out sideways. And I think that goes for anything that's an authentic expression that's not okay or that's judged, that's, that's, yeah, it's deemed wrong. And so, yeah, that's my piece on that. It's also way more vulnerable to say, I'm attracted to you, (laughs) you know, with the, maybe the thought in the back of my head, like maybe he's not as straight as I think he is. And like, maybe he's not, but like, let me just say, but instead of being like, like that's more vulnerable to say, just I'm attracted to you. Even if I think that there's maybe a possibility, but it's not super vulnerable to just grab somebody, you know, that's just, I think that's a distinction too. Like that. I think a lot of people don't want to deal with their own vulnerability or they don't want, I think some, maybe some gay men don't want to deal with having to hear no. And they're like, well, if I could just cop a feel, then I could take something. And then there's this like, and now we're back to like, you know, shadow masculinity in general, gay or straight, this entitlement around sexuality, this it's like unevolved boy psychology around our sexual desire in general. And how do we refine that? And I'm sure that, you know, straight men have had to do a lot of work around that to not just grab women in the club, right? That it's like, it's still the masculine, like sexual kind of like hunter impulse. Yeah. Well, I think that's something for all men. I think that 
especially when we're talking about safety for women and, and overall just consensual intimacy between human beings. There's a huge responsibility for the men out there. I think we all recognize that. Whether we've been perpetrators of that in the past or not, if we're just trying to transform that culture, we all have to take responsibility for that in some capacity. So I think that that's a huge part of the conversation that's happening here. I think also a big piece that was illuminated for me is that oftentimes there's a part of ourselves that we're not willing to face off with. And that resistance to facing off with that part of ourselves shows up in different ways. For a man who's questioning his sexuality but doesn't want to face off with it can become very outwardly homophobic. To put up that veneer of, well, nobody should question my sexuality because I'm so outwardly anti-gay, anti-queer, anti-whatever. And I think there's also, it's funny because it just, the inability to express ourselves honestly in spaces leads to so many misconceptions and misperceptions I was just imagining, I was like, well, what, what are the things that in my past, before I had spent more time around all types of guys, what are some of the things I used to think? I used to walk into a room and think that there's no other man in this room who has ever experienced sexual abuse. And that was one of the things that blew my mind was the first couple of times that I was in an exercise where guys just raised their hand and admitted if they'd experienced it. Overwhelming majority of men have experienced some sort of non-consensual, inappropriate sexual conduct one way or the other. And then also being a straight man walking into a room, assuming that if there are any gay men in here, that they're going to be attracted to me, right? There's almost like this, well, if there's a gay man in here, they're attracted to every man. It's like, well, where does that belief come from? You know, I think it's just another one of those fear projections. Do you feel that when you walk into a room with other straight guys, James? That they're all assuming that I'm attracted to them? Yeah, to some degree, something like that. I think I used to be, God, this is like such an interesting topic because I think I used to be really afraid of that, which is why I kind of tried to, I think that's actually probably why I suppressed authentic, you know, desire uh, for straight men. And then it would piss me off because I was like suppressing a part of my truth, right? So it then, then it gets like, as we're talking about, it gets compacted. And then it just, I actually remember it when I went to Convergence last October, I, after one day, I just wanted to leave because I was so uncomfortable and I had so much PTSD from like, straight men in high school coming up and just like, bro, you know, like that whole vibe, you know, like I, I just hadn't been around that much, you know, heterosexual masculinity, like in an overwhelming, you know, population for me at the time. Now it feels comforting to me, but um, at the time it was edgy and I had a whole process about it. But I think, yeah, I used to walk into a room and assume that I think there's through medicine work and soul retrieval and me just owning my authentic masculinity. I have the experience in the world now where people don't necessarily know that I'm gay until I say something. It depends. Sometimes people will pick up on it. It depends on my mood. You know, sometimes if I'm like really serious about something, people will just be like, that's just a really serious dude. But and people won't necessarily know that I'm gay. And then other times I'm, you know, with my female friends and I'm more in my feminine, I'm, I feel pretty balanced in masculine feminine. I try to be, but after that experience in sacred sons, I don't assume that. I don't really assume anything anymore. Honestly, I just, I guess I surround myself with people now who are just doing their work and who are going to be honest with themselves. And I, I tend to attract people. One thing I wanted to mention was that after Taylor and I hugged it out and maintained eye contact, most people started to hug me. Like everyone just wanted to hug me all of a sudden. And so that was great. And then at least five men pulled me aside to be like, I'm so glad you were there because I'm attracted to other men or I don't feel safe emotionally expressing around other straight men or I'm attracted to trans women or like I'm questioning my sexuality. And it was this beautiful gift to be able to be that vulnerable and then to be able to be people's like confidant in that and be part of their process for thinking about it instead of, Instead of them being repulsed by me or afraid that I might be attracted to them, what I saw was they were actually, they felt invited uh, to just be honest. And I like listening to people's stories and I like, you know, forging brotherhood and it was a beautiful experience. And I do think that there's, when, when straight men, you know, assume that there's a gay guy, oh, he must, you know, he must want my nuts, you know, <laughs> I think that's you know, some, some hubris or entitlement to look at, you know, or some kind of, you know, like what, what is like, where, I wonder where that thought comes from. Like, have you ever been curious about that? I think it's just protection. I think it's, if I assume that every gay guy in here is, is attracted to me, 
then I can steer around it. You know, if I, if I convince myself that everybody, every gay guy that I come into contact with is, is attracted to me, then I'll, I'll know to put up that boundary. I won't miss it. And again, maybe that's just something from my past where I missed an opportunity. Like a trauma response. Yeah. Like I missed that opportunity to put up that boundary when I was in that club. Right. And so maybe, cause I don't feel that way anymore. I don't feel like I need to put up boundaries like that. Cause I know I'm happily married six years, like no problem. I've had gay guys come up to me, straight guys come up to me and tell me they're attracted to me. And it doesn't affect me one way or the other at this point, but definitely in the past, I remember feeling like, well, every gay guy's attracted to me. So I need to know what to do, <laughs> you know? So I don't have that experience again is, is I think what was happening in my body. Right. Gay men, please stop groping straight men non yeah, right. <laughs> if you're listening oh my god because it's sad because then when i i want to approach straight men with a lot of respect and honor you know and dignity and forge you know mutually supportive you know brotherhood and and such and i wouldn't want that assumption to be made about me just because i'm gay it means i'm going to try to like you know violate your boundaries but i do think that's i think we sense each other intuitively i do i think we can sense like oh this is like Taylor was saying, he like discerned that I was like a safe person, that I was coming from an open hearted place rather from a place of trying to take. And, you know, I also was discerning as well. I was like, well, I've never said shit like this in front of a group of straight men before, but like I'm discerning in this moment that this is a safe container. And so, yeah, I've learned a lot about discernment the last couple of years. And, and there's something else that I think really ties all this together because also in conjunction with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and, and the greater dialogue we've experienced in 2020 from oppressed peoples, regardless of what the oppression is in relationship to your sexual orientation, your ethnicity, the language you speak, the religion you believe in. Ultimately, what it comes down to is that our differences further divide us. So for me, even for the gay population to say we're oppressed because of these reasons. And for the black population to say we're oppressed for these reasons, it's hard for anyone who doesn't fit into that category to relate to that. When in actuality, if we're just relating to the part of us that's human, that's in pain, that's what we can all relate to. That's the only part that we can empathically connect to is, oh, there's another human being who's in pain, regardless of what the circumstances are. And I'm not saying that we don't talk about the greater social issues that we have. But when it comes to genuinely connecting to people, when it comes to really understanding each other and being in greater social participation of equanimity and equality for all people, having equal rights, equal opportunities, we have to remove the reasons why we're different, the reasons why we're experiencing pain. Because to me, and what I'm hearing in this conversation is that we all experience pain when we're not being fully expressed and honest with who we are in whatever situation we find ourselves in. We could easily flip the table and we could throw Taylor into a circle where he's one out of 30 men who's straight. What type of dynamic that might bring up and all the things that that might bring up for him or somebody who's less confident in who they are. So that's what I'm hearing from this conversation. I'm wondering what else is emerging for you guys that we haven't said already about this. Well, I just wanted to say one thing that I'm also hearing, and I'm also hearing that we're three men who have also experienced sexual violation and that we're, we know what it's like to feel like our boundaries have not been honored. And then the other side of that, we know what it's like to feel secure in our boundaries. And what I try to focus on a lot, especially with all these conversations about oppression happening I think it's good to draw, you know, bring light to all this stuff. And I also think at the end of the day, it's not our fault, you know, that things happen to us. Like we don't need to feel shame that we've been, you know, uh, violated. I also believe it is our responsibility to make sure that we heal from those wounds and that it's no one else's, you know, ultimately no one else can be responsible for that process. But me, it doesn't mean I deserved it or that, you know, I'm a big asshole if I'm not healing as fast as another person. But I do think that victim consciousness is for anyone, you know, like gay men or straight men who have been violated or who feel uncomfortable uh, or who have felt oppressed or who have felt whatever. It was so good hearing, you know, Taylor talk about what his healing process was like with his therapist around being violated as a teenager. And I, I coach people in that way. I do work with that people myself just around like, you know, coming out of powerlessness through the anger into like reclaiming that empowerment and self-definition. And I'm so glad that you did that work so that that 
experience that we had in February was so integrative for both of us. And so like it created an opportunity for connection rather than distancing. And that just, to me, that's a testament. And I've been working my ass off on my, you know, just to be able to say that in front of a bunch of straight guys has taken years and years and years of work on my end, just to be able to be like, fuck, I'm just going to say it. Like, you know, it, it, it took a lot. It's taken a lot for me to get to where I am. And I, I hope that that can inspire other people to like, yeah, work on yourself, please. Like take your time, like go have the hard conversations, get support, like, you know, come to sacred sons events, you know, like work with a therapist, you know, like uh, uh, talk to your friends about it, like get through the hard stuff, go right up to that threshold and pass through it and take your power back so that, that we're not projecting the past, you know, onto each other and that we're really able to be there for who we really are. Yeah. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to receive help. Yeah. I think also so many guys that I've spoken to who are still not certain about where they are in terms of their sexuality, uh, you know, to really zero in on that form of expression. It's such a, I don't want to make that be such a big part of who we are because there's, I think there's a lot of people who just put so much emphasis on sexuality, but it is a part of who we are and how we want to express ourselves in the world, how we express love and intimacy and affection. And if we're not clear on that part of ourselves, then that's an underexpressed part of our character and who we are. So an invitation for men or women out there or whatever else you identify as to really get clear on who you're attracted to and how you like to express that attraction and and have the courage to go out and express that too. I know that part's not easy. I know there was a time period in my life where it was really hard for me to express my own attraction to women. So I, I imagine it must be even more difficult when you're doing that in a in a less traditional or more taboo way, I guess we could say it. I see James nodding his head. So I'm sure you know all about that. So yeah, I think that's also a big part of what I'm getting here is that we need more fully expressed, fully aware people who know who they are, what they're here on this planet to do and what, what you like and not being ashamed of that. Cause there's, there's really no more reason nor use for that in the direction that we're heading as a society. I do think it's an important part of who we are. I don't know if it's like necessarily the most important part of who we are, but when I think of the Kundalini energy, you know, I think of life force energy, right? And that to me personally, I believe that our sexual energy is just an expression of our life force, our vitality of like our physical embodied aliveness. And we're divinely compelled to love who we are divinely compelled to love. And if there's a blockage there and we can't express that or speak honestly about that, that I do believe that is a suppression of life force energy. And it creates a lot of problems for people. It creates addiction. It creates, you know, dysfunction. So yeah, like I'm in no way saying that like every straight guy needs to like, you know, hook up with a gay guy or anything like that. It's just about like, let's just talk. Like, let's just, can we just talk? <laughs> right. Like, can we just, can we just have open, honest dialogue and for a straight man to be like, Hey, you know, like, just so you know, gay guy X who I just met, you know, like I've had these experiences that have been really uncomfortable for me. And I need to know that you're not going to make a pass. I mean, I, I don't want to assume that about you, but I just want to let you know. And it's just, I think there needs to be vulnerability and empathy on both sides. And yeah, it's like, like a generosity of, I feel like vulnerability in this conversation is like a, an act of generosity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also don't want to diminish that journey. I was going to say so that we can get past this and get to just being brothers. But I think it's, it's actually a really important part of the work that we're doing together and the time that we're in is being able to really honor and receive and give from all ends of the spectrum. And I think we all have our personal responsibility when it comes to that. And I would say that it would be hard for one gay man, one straight man to have that conversation, right? But if it's in a circle, if it's contained in a brotherhood, right? There's witnesses, there's accountability, there's, there's other. And so that, that whole like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm feeling threatened. It's just me and this one other person. So yeah, James, like, let's just talk. And how does that look like? What does that look like? How does that take place? This is a, a call for more circles, for more brotherhood. That's got to happen. So definitely. Now that you say that, I'm like, I think that the reason that that moment was able to happen was because we were in a circle. I think if I had just seen, I would have just kept my mouth shut the rest of the time if I would just would have been like, no, like, I just don't know. And it would be horrible to make this guy uncomfortable. And I think 
you know, for the gay men who feel really suppressed, it is, it is that fear of like, if I express myself in that way, then I'm going to be like scapegoated. And then, because then, like you said, if there's no accountability, if there's no circle and you were someone who wasn't comfortable with yourself, a gay guy could have said that to you. And then you could have just told all the other straight guys, like, oh, there's this gay guy hitting on me. I mean, like to me that... I have this irrational fear of social scapegoating probably because I was bullied a lot in elementary school. <laughs> and I just assume that there's going to be this, like, I still work through some of that social trauma and sacred sense has been an amazing opportunity to heal from that trauma because of circles and because of, you know, having those interactions. And I think some, some places would call that like a fishbowl. I mean, technically we were, we were just in a bit of a cluster. It was like a, <laughs> like a town hall meeting at that point after it was the cradling. And now we're in it like, I don't know. It was a bizarre day, but it was a good day. It just makes me reflect on how really all comes back to fear. Because I think that a lot of, I'm just thinking from the perspective of a straight man, you know, walking around the world, the fear that I have of approaching a really attractive woman and letting her know that I think she's beautiful, the fear of rejection, the fear of how that might be received or the perception she might have of me, what she thinks I, I want or expect from her because I am attracted to her. And then also, you know, fear on from that person, from that woman who's afraid that, is this guy going to try and manipulate me? Is he want something from me? What is his intention? What is his purpose? And that in the right context, right? Like, let's say we take myself and this really attractive woman, put us in the middle of a circle where we've built trust. And I can then say, Hey, I just need to tell you that I'm really attracted to you. And she could just receive that for what it is. Trusting that there's no expectation from me. It's an exact reflection of what you guys are talking about here. I'm just applying it to a different interaction and just seeing that all of that fear melts away when there's community. When there's support, when one person is not going to be left hanging out to dry or taken advantage of or manipulated or rejected, that there's, because even in that space where Taylor, you didn't reciprocate that attraction back to James, but you didn't feel rejected in that, right, James? No, I was like, cool. I just was able to say the thing. I was like, pretty sure he was probably straight. You know, I just wanted to fucking not be silenced anymore. And so I was just so relieved. And then I was like, not only is he's like, he's like, I feel closer to you. Like, let's have a conversation. Like, let's hang out. Like, let's talk. And I was just like, I can't believe this is happening. This is so cool. You know, my 14 year old self would have never experienced that in 1999, you know, the year of like Limp Bizkit and Eminem and rock rap and just, you know, morbidly misogynistic, homophobic pop culture, you know, when I was a teenager. So yeah, it was super healing just to be able to say it and be like, cool. Like, and James and I have maintained our friendship since then. Like we've been hopping on phone calls mm-hmm. and keeping up on the internet and it's been great. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful fellas. I really appreciate both of you guys coming in here and sharing your story, sharing your experience and really, really picking apart this conversation quite a bit, because I think there is a lot of new layers of discovery. I know there was for me of seeing this conversation from a different angle. Are there any last thoughts that you guys have that we haven't spoken to yet to feel, to feel complete with this conversation? No, we did a pretty good job, huh? We covered it up. <laughs> yeah. I guess like, do you think there's anything that people would want to know about more thoroughly or, or have mentioned on either side or. I actually think that this conversation alone is going to be very eye opening. And I think it'll actually reveal some things for the people who are listening about themselves, you know, and where their level of comfort is and where their own beliefs might be. I think we all got a chance to speak to some of the, the mythology around the gay man, straight man dynamic. Enough so that I think it'll it'll open up some doors. I'm not really looking for resolution here. I don't think that's really our job to provide resolution, but more just to spin the conversation around a little bit so that it looks different to more people out there. Yeah, cool. Well, then let's do this because you guys are both doing some excellent work in the world. If you would each take a moment just to tell everybody where they can find you, follow you, connect with you. Uh, Taylor, why don't you go first and then James, you can go after that. Yeah, sure. So I'm residing in Asheville, North Carolina now. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and I'm currently in the process of getting my website up. So that's not ready yet, but yeah, I'm I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Just type in Taylor Houchins. You can find me, reach out to me there. Yes. That's pretty much uh, my contact. You want to go James? Yeah. I do shamanic and evolutionary astrology, life coaching and trauma integration work. I work with a process called the completion process, which was designed by Teal Swan. And yeah, I basically help people 
work through their deepest shadows and take the power back and, you know, high intensity emotional presence work and big picture astrology stuff. So I can be found. I'm also a musician. I'm a singer, songwriter, pianist, and producer. That's been a bit on the back burner lately, but um, my Instagram for that is Panther music, but P-A-N-T-H-Y-R music. That's Instagram. And then there's a YouTube channel. If you just Google or if you just YouTube search James Panther, you could probably find some of the videos that I put out there about astrology and trauma integration work. And if you want to send me an email, it's jamespantherastrology at gmail.com. Awesome, fellas. Well, again, thank you for bringing this conversation to the forefront. And Taylor, you especially for reaching out and asking to have this dialogue. I, I think we opened up some really great territory today and I really appreciate both of you guys bringing your genuine truth to the table and yeah, appreciate all the work you guys are doing in the world in your individual capacities and collectively because it's, it's making ripples. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having us on, Jetty. Thanks for having this podcast. Yeah, likewise. Thank you, Jetty. Thanks for being able to hold this topic so gracefully and authentically. Oh, it's an honor, fellas. I look forward to catching up with both of you again sometime soon. Yeah, you too. All right. All right, fam. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For me, this was a really edgy one. You probably heard it in my voice. It's it's uncomfortable to talk about things like this, especially when I don't want to pretend to know what it's like for people whose experiences I don't share. I don't know what it's like to be a gay man in this world. I know there's a lot of definitions and terms that folks are using to define themselves that I'm not familiar with and don't have a sensitivity for because there's just so much to keep track of for me. So I hope that you enjoyed such an honest and raw conversation. I appreciate Taylor and James for bringing this opportunity to my attention and being courageous enough to share their experience with our Rising Man community because I know that regardless of our sexual orientation or preference, we have a lot of amazing work we can do together as men. And if we can move past some of these parts that create separation, these differences that create a greater divide instead of closer connection, then we can keep growing together. So make sure you guys go to risingman.org to get the links for show notes and resources for this episode and others, as well as opportunities to jump in and become a bigger contributor and participant in the Rising Man community. We're waiting for you guys. Remember, we got those in-person events coming up in 2021, but don't wait. Get yourself involved in the virtual fire circles or the next 12 weeks of Inferno with myself and Phil Gomez. Go do it right now. Risingman.org. Check it out. Please subscribe and follow us wherever you're listening to this podcast and check us out on Instagram at Rising Man Movement and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Rising Man Movement. I know I got a lot of announcements on this episode, but we're going to be also doubling down on our YouTube channel heading into the new year, getting it popping for a fresh season of videos and new content in the spring. So make sure you go over to YouTube and subscribe right now so you get Every time we drop a Monday morning meditation, you get those videos and you'll also be the first in the know when we start dropping that new content in 2021. Shout out to my power team, Sean, Julian, Ryan, Rowan, and Mark, and our newest addition to the team, my man Roy, coming in to help us out with a lot of the administrative stuff on the back end. Roy, I appreciate you, man. I hope that you're hearing this, listening to this episode and feeling welcome, welcome, welcome. Everybody else out there, thank you for everything that you do. I appreciate y'all. Thank you for the love. Thank you for the support. Thank you for the energy that you keep putting into the Rising Man movement. Without you, this would just be the Rising Man. But with you, this is a movement. So let's keep moving. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.